0: Well, you can take your seats. Good morning. I feel like I got a worse response than Pastor Dean and it's later in the morning. Can I say good morning? Good morning. That's good. That's more like a 1045 crowd. You don't wanna be getting shown up by the nine They are up much earlier. But uh, it is, is good. If I haven't met you before, my name's Ryan. I'm part of the, the team here and it's uh, great to, to be gathered this morning and uh, loving this series, 24, and, and looking at the idea of, twenty four hours in the life of Jesus and, and what that looked like and, and Pastor Michelle kicked that off last week with a, with a great message and looking at the provision of Christ and the work that he does in our lives and we 're going to continue to look and you know I, I did think that I was a busy person until I began to, to kind of read mark chapter six and just when you realize how much stuff Jesus crammed into one day, boy, does that bring some perspective of what being busy looks like but we are we are going to have a look uh, at the at kind of the next A few verses and and carrying on, but what I wanted to to look at this morning was the idea of what it would look like to cancel the noise. You know, we live uh, in in a world, I believe, that is more noisy than ever before. Uh, You talk to people and and busy is always the response that, you know, almost every time uh, you ask someone how they are, they're busy, they've got lots going on, And, and we live in this time where our world is just constantly, I believe, full of noise, that there's always something going on. And, uh, you know, we look at Jesus and, and the, the last week's message and all that He did in that moment, you know, feeding all those people, bringing, bringing the Word, looking after them, uh, teaching the disciples along the way. And then there's this moment here in, in these few verses where Jesus decides it's time to cancel the noise. Now, when I think about what it's like to, to cancel noise, my immediate thought goes to, Noise canceling headphones. Anyone with me, you know, not just like kind of, you know, your little ones that come with your iPhone that don't block out anything, uh, they just hurt your ears. But I'm talking like the, you know, the real big, beefy, like these need a battery to be turned on kind of noise canceling headphones. And I own a pair and I've grown to love them. Uh, and, you know, I love them all the time. I, I use them almost every day. But the time I, I love them the most is when I have to get on a plane. Because, you know, planes to me are the definition of noisy. you got people going on, they're on holiday, some people excited, some people are, uh, are spewing, they're, they're flying away for work or whatever, and so there's all this bars, and, and then there's this third group of people that I like to call parents, and, and they're on there uh, with their children, and I now have a different appreciation and respect for, for that group of people. But I find on a plane, no one's kind of really happy with that environment. So, you know, you've got parents there trying to keep their kids as quiet and entertained as possible. Uh, You've got the child who probably doesn't want to be restrained by a seatbelt, so they're going a bit nuts. And then you've got everyone else that kind of just wants to fly in peace. And so you've got the parents and everyone's staring at the parent. I don't know why that's helpful. The child's crying. Don't stare at me. I'm not pinching him. I'm trying. Uh, But then you look and you see the person upset about their kind of personal space being damaged by the noise of the child. He's like, I'm sorry. You know, but all this can just be solved if everyone just wore noise cancelling headphones, like it's, it's, it's the way to go. I found that anytime I fly, if I wear them, I can actually, doesn't matter the time of the day or night, I will be asleep before the plane takes off. Uh, if you don't believe me, you can ask my wife, it's a true story. And, and I remember flying once on Christmas day, the most craziest day ever, it was the fastest flight ever, the, the pilot had to be at Christmas lunch, it was clear. But we're on this flight, and we got off, and, and so I was like, I can't believe that kid. Like just, and I was like, what kid? She was like, this baby behind us was crying the entire way. Did you not hear it? And I was like, not a word. I was asleep the entire flight uh, until we landed. It was actually the bumpiness of the ride that, that woke me up. And I find that anytime time I do that, nothing gets in my ear space. I actually learned as well, if you don't wanna to talk to someone on the plane, it's not only uh, good enough to have noise cancelling headphones, but they must be on your ears before you sit. So I get on the plane like an NBA player walking on there with my gangster headphones. Half the time I'm not playing anything because I wanna hear what's going on. But no one will talk to me because they think I'm listening to music. It is the ultimate way to make sure you are uninterrupted. But why I'm spending so much time talking about this is because I believe there is a principle to this That in life, we actually need to make a decision sometimes to cancel the noise. That we need to pull back and go, you know what? I need to make sure that I take some time to put everything else to the side and spend some time in the quiet space. And Jesus does this. You know, he's got a lot going on. He's traveling. We're learning about this whole day. He's just spent time with thousands of people. And then this is what happens. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake to Bethsaida. Where he sent the people home. After telling everyone goodbye, he went up to the hills by himself to pray. What a guy Jesus is. Not only does he spend all this time uh, teaching people and kind of multiplying food and feeding them. He then stands at the back and and sends everybody home. Uh, Shakes every last hand, sends everybody home. He dismisses the crowds. They go out, they get a coffee, they get a sausage, they head home. But they're all greeted by Pastor Jesus. And, you know, they all feel welcome and loved. But I, I like that he knows where his disciples are. He's like, you know what? You've had enough. Get in the boat. We're not going to sit and have a debrief at the end. We're not going to kind of talk about it now. We're not going to share stories, all of which are great to do. But he's like, you know what? you go going ahead and I'll take care of this. And then before he catches up with them, he goes, you know what? It's time to cancel the noise. And he climbs up the hill. Some translations will say a mountain. Uh, you know, he, he, he really works to, to get out of the way. And the principle that you see out of this is the idea that Jesus cancelled the noise through solitude. He he didn't just go hang out in a quiet spot at a house. He he actually put in some work. I don't know if you've ever climbed a hill or a mountain. Are you one of those crazy people that likes to just walk in your holidays? Um, You know, Pastor Michelle just went on like a a massive walk. Uh, And I've got these friends that will do that. I'm like, what are you doing in your holidays? They're like going on a walk. I'm like around the block, like taking the dog. That's cool. You've got time for that. And they're like, no, like I'm going on like a two week walk through the bush, like the Cape to Cape or the Bib track. Or. And I think, why would you do that? You're just gonna make yourself more tired uh, when you come back to work because you've just walked like 100 kilometers with a bag and slept in a tent. And, and you know, I was talking to one of my friends, he goes, it's amazing when you withdraw into those spaces and you just shut everything else out and there's nothing that can bother you, what the solitude does to your life. And you see Jesus in this moment going, there are so many things to do, he knows what's ahead. He's got a lot to achieve, but he withdraws and he actually works at it and he heads up to spend time by himself. Now, sometimes I think about kind of solitude and being alone. I think that's just for people who are lonely. Like, oh, I don't wanna be lonely. I, I wanna hang out and I don't wanna be bored. And... But it's not actually about being lonely. You can be lonely anywhere. You can be lonely a crowd full of people, to be honest. But it's about actually going, I'm making a decision to put everything else on pause all the things that are going on in my world, all the people even that are in my world in this moment. And I'm gonna push it all to the side and I'm gonna take a giant step back and I'm gonna learn to just be. You know, I mentioned before about how we live in this time that is is noisy and busy. And maybe we can grab that graphic and and just put that up. Now, just to let you know, this is not something I designed myself uh, for fun. It actually came from Forbes magazine. Pastor Dean actually was able to give me that. So Rod, it did not come from Woman's Day as you suggested earlier It actually comes from a credible magazine uh, in Forbes. And it shows kind of this trend over the last uh, 10 years of the average 24-hour workday and what that would look like. And you can see when you look through uh, the graph there that sleep time seems about the same. We're all getting similar kind of amounts of sleep. Uh, The time it takes us to get to work and back and spend at work looks around the same. Now, survival, I thought was interesting. I was like, what's that? So I had to read that. That's kind of like just your basic things, like eating and uh, you know, brushing your teeth and having a shower, the things that if you don't do, uh, off-putting to everybody else. So if you're like, oh, my only solitude time is eating, you can't graph it there. It has to go under survival. But in personal time, you'll notice at the top, in 2007, there's this little bit of red and a whole heap of white. And this is the, the amount of time that gets allocated to us where we're not at work and we're not asleep and we're not doing what we need to do to survive. But by the time you hit 2017, it's, it's really red. And uh, what the, the difference there is the red represents the amount of personal time we spend looking at screens. So that might be your TV, might be your iPhone, your iPad, your laptop, whatever it might be. And I looked and I found that staggering uh, when I saw that that so much more now of our personal time, obviously due to the the great thing of technology. uh, You know, if you're a Samsung user, I believe the red is doubled up for you because your phone, not only when you use it, it catches on fire. uh, But the reality is for all of us, we sit and we spend time on our iPhones, we spend time on our laptops, we we watch Netflix. You know, Netflix, they're crafty, don't let them kid ya. It used to be about 20 seconds between that automatic thing starting again and now it's like three seconds, I feel. I'm like, I'm gonna go to bed after this. And then I'm like, oh, another one started. How convenient. And that, that repeats itself like, you know, all night. And then I'm tired the next day. I'm like, I'm so busy. I'm so tired. It was Netflix. Let's be honest. It wasn't the amount of time I was spending at work. So, But for all of us, there's this increase of noise that we've brought to our world. And this week I was looking at that and thinking, how much time do I really spend on my phone? And so... I just kind of was taking a trigger every time I picked it up and I found it was ridiculous. The amount of times I'd open my email or open Facebook or or just pick up my phone and stare at it like like it's, I love you phone. You know, like, it's crazy. And actually, I'm like, I'm not even doing anything and it's in my hand. So I found I'd like chuck it places. Like I'd come home and throw it on the bed and like try and leave it there for like give the phone some solitude uh, and, and head out and talk to my family. Um, And I was like, oh, you know, I found myself looking for it. And it just shows that there's this habit and this thing built into us that we bring the noise home with us, that we're never really uh, by ourselves because we allow all of this stuff to come with us. And I believe the reason why we feel like we're busier and more pressed for time is found in that graph. It's not that we're working harder, all of us. And again, this is general, so probably some of us are. It's, It's, you know, general numbers. But the reality for most of us is that we keep finding new ways to immerse ourselves in the noise of the world. Now I like Facebook and Instagram and email and all those kind of things, they're good. But you know, sometimes we need to be able to check out from all of that and just withdraw and be by ourselves. Solitude is, is so important for, for each one of us. You know, the, the other thing that Jesus does in, in this area, he doesn't just go away and kind of sit by himself and, and kind of chill out and, play with a fidget spinner or, or anything like that. You know, he's not just kind of, it's not just about being alone. But the thing that he does is he takes time to pray to God. Jesus in this moment recognises that, that being alone is good, that withdrawing is good, that quiet is good. But he recognises the importance of praying and spending time in the presence of the Father. And for us, we need to be able to do that same thing. He takes all this time and all this work to go away just to pray. You know, Jesus was God. He he could connect with, with with the Father however he wanted to, but he recognized that in you know in his human form it was important to withdraw and just spend time with God. You know, I don't know if you have uh, friends in your world, like I got some friends in my world where I know it will just take absolutely zero effort to spend any time with them. Like just call them up don't have to clean the house before they come, don't have to make sure there's pre-arranged activities to, to keep you know, uh, entertainment there. Uh, you know, one of those friends with me is, is Josh Hegland and it doesn't matter how long it's been since we hung out, it, it doesn't matter uh, you know, what we do, we just kind of love being around one another. You know, women do this thing where they, they walk, uh, you know, they, they get up really early in the morning and they, they walk. Like, uh, but I think more than the walking, it's about the spending time with one another. And, you know, gathering and going, I don't need anything from you right now, or I'm not here for a distinct purpose. I just want to be in your presence. We all have those uh, people in our world sometimes where it feels draining to have, you know, had to to hang out with them, or, or it takes work, or we don't know them so well, and so there's this grid of getting to know them. For me, it was taking teenagers to youth camp for like, Year after year and you drive down and you're just thankful for the playlist because you like, the music will take care of the awkward silence that's uh, in my car for two hours. And you'll talk for a little bit, but you will run out of things to say. The danger is when the playlist ends and you're still driving and you can't pick up your phone while you're driving to, to change the playlist, there's awkward silence for a little bit. But we all know that there's these relationships that are built through consistency and vulnerability and spending time together. Where I find with some of my friends, I can just sit there for ages. It doesn't matter what we do. And I feel like just being in their presence was good. I feel like that's how when we do this, it's about coming to God. We don't need to take to Him our request list and go, God, I just need this, 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 and this, and could you help with this? And, and, and could you sort this out? Okay, thanks God, see, see you next time. Like I understand that He wants us to ask what we need. He tells us to do that. He wants us to talk to Him. He wants us to tell Him what's going on. I think also he has something to say to us. Like I think sometimes God's like, could you just shush for a minute? I got something to say here. Let me kind of get a word in. And so sometimes we have to sit there and just allow God to speak to us. I believe he's always got something that he would want to say. But it's not always that we're there to go, I need to tell you something or you need to solve this for me. Can I just have this moment of wisdom where you just pour it out on my, and, I, and everything makes sense? And there are times for all of that. But I believe that God just wants us to be around Him. And to be able to do that, it's crafting that time to go, I'm gonna get by myself. I'm gonna go to God and sure, I'm gonna pray and you know, I'm gonna talk to Him. I, I'm gonna allow Him to talk to me, but I'm gonna push it a little bit further and just be there with God. And if I don't leave with an outcome or I don't feel like I've just told Him everything I need to tell Him, it was good enough just to be there Spending time with him. He wants us to to be in his presence. Doesn't need to be uncomfortable. Doesn't need to be hard. It just requires taking the time and consistency to learn what it means to walk and be with him. I'm gonna read just a a little bit more uh, scripture here. And it says, late that night, the disciples were in their boat in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was alone on land. He saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and the waves. You know what we see from Jesus is he's been there for a while. So he's up on this mountain, it's dark, uh, it's, it's, it's late in the night and he's been praying and, and, and spending time in, in God's presence. But what I, I noticed out of this was that there's something that begins to shift in Jesus' perspective because of where he's placed himself. And I think for us, the more time we spend kind of going, I'm just going to cancel everything else going on. I'm going to get some time just to pause, put everything on hold. I'm going to spend some time in God's presence. We begin to gain some perspective. I don't believe that we find our perspective in the noise and in the doing and in the day-to-day of where we are. You know, I was in the car with someone a, a little while ago and they went to park their car and we um, were listening to some music and, and hanging out and having a good time and, and then they suddenly just turned it off. And I was like, what are you doing? And they're like, oh, I'm trying to park. And I was like, what's that got to do with the radio? Like, this is a great song. You've just ruined my. is about to get to the good bit. And they're like, I can't park properly with all this noise going on. And I was like, what are you talking about? You look when you park. Like, you don't park with your ears. Like, you see the lines, the other cars, and you park. But isn't it funny that the noise sometimes can just cloud our perspective? It doesn't enable us to see what we need to see. It doesn't enable us to, to have a grip sometimes, even on the reality of what's going on. I know the times in life I feel the most overwhelmed are the ones that are just the noisiest. Not even always the hardest or the busiest, but the noisiest. Because it just clouds everything that's going on. Because There's so much coming in. And then I thought, I found myself doing similar things. Like while driving, I'm like, I really need to focus on this. and I just turn it down. I'm like, yeah, that person had something to it, but I'd never noticed it before. Well, when someone's like telling you how to park, you're like, don't, I know how to parallel park. Leave me alone. I do it this way. But isn't it the noise funny that sometimes blocks the vision? And what you see from Jesus is here is where he's placed himself. He's able to see ahead. That, you know, there's something else going on and it gives him that little bit of a next step, that bit of perspective as to what's happening in the world, what's happening with his disciples, what's happening with his people. Even though he wasn't with them, Even though he wasn't in the noise, he was able to see more clearly what was going on because of where he's placed himself. Now don't get me wrong, we don't do this to gain perspective. It's not about if I choose solitude and time in God's presence and and one plus one equals I'll have perspective. I believe it's just a result of what happens when we allow God's presence to just interrupt everything else that's going on. And perspective isn't always the answer to a problem. It's not always a a little bit more wisdom. It's not even the next step. But sometimes it's just that ability to be able to see really clearly what's going on in front of you. And don't we all need more and more of that? You know, there are so many times and so many occasions for Jesus where you see him withdraw in prayer. I thought I'd be really clever and uh, get this little graph and numbers of all the times that Jesus withdrew to pray and and mention them all and kind of, There were way too many, (laughs) there's just so many times of Jesus, one minute you're reading and it's like, and then immediately, early in the morning, He got up and He went, and then this happened and He withdrew and and He went, and then He was with His disciples and they fell asleep and He was off and He was praying. There is this great rhythm to the life of Jesus where constantly you find Him away in the solitude, spending time with the Father. And when you kind of read into those, some of those times are of incredible significance, some of those times there's something big on the horizon. I think of the Garden of Gethsemane, there's a time where there was so much going on and he's chosen to withdraw and do that. But there's other times where you just see it's part of the rhythm of who he is. Early in the morning, Jesus got up, he went out alone and he prayed. There was great rhythm to it. This whole idea of spending time in solitude and in God's presence by ourselves and, and cancelling noise and just getting all of that happening is not a one-time deal or maybe a once a month deal, or you know, once every kind of six months deal. It actually requires it to be a part of the rhythm of our life. You know, Jesus had this incredibly short period of time on life. You know, this year I turned 33 and it's been a constant reminder from mostly other people. Do you know what happened to Jesus when he turned 33? I'm like, thanks. Uh, you know, do I take that as good or not so good? But the reality is he had this short period of time to do what he needed to do. The incredible urgency about the business that he was sent here to do. He was busier than than anybody I know. He did more in his life than anyone I've ever seen. But you know what? He still had time to withdraw from everything. Jesus would go places and people would literally hunt him down and find him and grab hold of him everywhere he went. Yet he still took time to go, you know what? It's important that I withdraw. It's important that everything else And I'm going to sit here and I'm going to spend time with the Father. If there's any lesson in that, there's one there for us to go. It is important that this is part of the rhythm of our life. I'm going to invite the the team to come back up and join us. And as they do that, I I wanted to, to read this verse today. It's out of Matthew 11. Uh, 28 to 30, it's out of the message and it says, This it says, Are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't allow any, I won't lay anything heavy or ill fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn. To live freely and lightly. I love that picture of just being with the Father. You know, there's a the couple of lines there that really stand out to me that walk with me and work with me. You know, I have a, a, a little boy, and you know, we went to go out the other day somewhere, and you know, it's just my natural reaction was just to kind of bend down and pick him up and, you know, hoik him over the shoulder or whatever and just get going. And as I picked him up, he kind of just began to shake a little bit, like that like little bit of a tantrum shake. And I was like, oh, do you want to do something else? Like, do you want to stay home? And he's like, no. And he kept saying this word and I'm like, ah, you know, like you're trying to interpret Minion language. I'm like, what is he saying? (laughs) Like, "Er, er," I'm like, he's like, and he's like, more intently, and what he was saying was the word walk. And I was like, you want to walk? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, all right, mate. (laughs) Let's, it's going to be a bit slower, but you know, here we go. Everything takes ages. And we're walking and then he like sticks his hand up and I'm like, oh, you want me to hold your hand? This is convenient because now we can walk a bit faster because I can kind of drag you like with me. I'm being honest. And so we're walking and I'm like dragging him along and I, and I just got this, and i have just been reading it and I got this picture of that's what it's like. But sometimes we have it in the reverse that we, we look at Jesus and go, oh, we always just need him to pick us up. That any time we're, we're spending time with Him, it's about getting from kind of A to B. It's about a prayer list or it's about a bit of wisdom or it's about a hard time that we're trying to get through. And it's like, hey, if I just go to Jesus and He picks me up, it'll be all right. The picture I kind of get from, from this passage is that He just wants us to walk with Him. That He just wants to be with us. That He just wants us to be in His presence. And yes, His presence is always with us. And yes, He, he is with us always. But the picture I get from this is, you know, keep company with me and you'll learn to live lightly and freely. In a world that is not about living lightly and freely. That is not about quiet. That is not about just spending time in God's presence. But it's all about go, go, go. Noise, noise, noise. Information. Take it in. Isn't this so countercultural to that? And to go, you know what? I just want to be with the Father. And so I'm going to make sure I take time just to grab Him by the hand. And just walk along with him and have him with me and spend some time in his presence to have company with God. So that when I'm back in the noise, when I'm back in the day to day, when I'm back in the trial, when I'm back at work, when everything feels overwhelming, I know how to live lightly and freely. You know, in a few moments we're going to sing this song and I love this song. It's called Pursue and it's about pursuing God. It's about, there's lines in there that talk about pursuing him, that, that all we need is him. And isn't that such a true reality for us, that when we're in His presence, there's nothing else that we need, that when we truly pursue Him, we realise that all we need is Him. And you know, in this moment, I hope that what it'll be is a bit of a time stand still moment, that we get to just come together as a church and pursue His presence together, which is an awesome thing. It's not a replacement for this. You know, uh, we, we love, gather together and we love the corporate worship. You know, I was thinking Hillsong is happening next week and I I love that idea of people travelling all over the world to come together to to praise Jesus and be inspired and and, and do better for Him. But we can't live conference to conference. We can't live Sunday to Sunday. In fact, they're the noisier expressions of our praise and worship and so they should be as we gather together to, to spend time in community but also to worship Him. We can't live in that space, but what we need to do is build this into the day-to-day. That each day we find some time, each week we make sure we've found time. That when we think of a graph like that, that there would be another colour in there for us. There would be time spent in solitude and prayer with our God. And so my hope would be as we pursue His presence together that He would leave an imprint on us that would last beyond this moment, beyond the words that I have said today, but that we would take it with us and know that each day there would be this hunger, this drive to just block out all the noise and take some time to pull back and spend some time with our God. I guarantee it, there is nothing greater we'll achieve in a day than to spend time with God. The to-do list never gets any smaller, the calendar never gets any less full day to day. There'll always be something else to read, something else to see, someone else's Facebook account to stalk, but the reality is when we spend time with our God, there is nothing greater that we can do than that. And if we want to really gain what it means to live lightly and freely and have a, have a perspective of the kingdom, that will come from spending time with Him. So I would love to pray for us this morning. And as we do that, why don't we stand and we're going we're to sing this song. We're going to allow God's presence to, to flood through this place. We're going to pursue Him in this moment. And my prayer for us would be that tomorrow we would do the same. And the next day we would do the same. And this would become a deep part of the rhythm of our lives.